Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on again this week with JB after another thrilling Monday clash. So um, they're obviously getting the message, Pistol, this is what we want, us as the uh, <laughs> consumers and Supercoach players and money, many more Monday games in the future, please. Um, I, day, I already gave away the spoiler. I'm with Pistol today. How are you? I'm, I'm going okay. I'm a bit disappointed. Um, it was my first time this season where I've gone down in rank after a round. I know boohoo, but um, yeah, I, I thought I was going to have a bigger fall because um, I only scored 2-1-0-8. So uh, yeah, my team failed to fire and it was just one of those weekends where it started badly and then I just had to like get through the whole weekend knowing that I was going to fall and just trying to be like, uh, like please hang on. Um, and the fall wasn't too bad, just down to 562. Oh, damn. okay. Well, that's, I thought that was going to be a lot darker, but down to 562. Still having a good season, mate. Um, I've jumped up for, I think, a fifth consecutive week. I'm up to 5.5K-ish. Um, I had about 21.90 as my score. I'm going off the top of my head here because I haven't opened it up, but... Um, that that is pretty much all accurate pistol. Don't question me on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just just trying to float into the top five k. This year's about to get very hectic, and um, I really want to bring a more casual approach to my ranking, just so I'm not stressing about it. And there's going to be a lot of things out of our control in the next four or five weeks, and um, teams popping up, you know, 24 hours before the actual game is played. We're gonna have to make trades before lockout um, or on lockout that lock out certain players that aren't playing for four or five days so um it is going to be stressful there's going to be things out of our control it's going to become very um luck based which is um i suppose it's always been an aspect but it's it's never been more of an aspect than this year so i really want to put forward a more casual approach to my ranking because um a lot of it's going to be out of my control and coaches out there having their worst seasons um i think can give themselves a bit of a reprieve for season 2020 so just keep that in mind um, having said that, we've got a few cancer council donations, which we'll jump into first. Um, I'll follow that up with some new Patreon. So, Pistol, that's you, mate. <laughs> Look, I just want to say, uh, it sounds like a, you're making excuses uh, for yourself. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Every Everything you said is true. We'll jump into, yeah. So, the cancer council, there was quite a few donations, which is good and bad. It means that... Um, it's good news for the Cancer Council and bad news for the community who are obviously <laughs> donating for a variety of reasons. Um, so we're going to start with Benny Buzzboy. He says, uh, for rolling out information while on the Pinoy, on the Pinoy, and uh, yep. being too eager to be timely rather than accurate, um, the background story is Benny put together um, a fantastic, I'm going to call it a catalog, uh, where he went through each of the teams um, and how many games rest they would have between each match and then did basically a write-up um, per team and said how you know he expected them to perform um, based on the rests and it was awesome work. and all of that it was so good so yeah big shout out to benny that that was awesome so thank you for that and then he donated because someone found like a tiny mistake so <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty hilarious um to uh, Blue Bagger, thank you very much. He's donated to celebrate the 200 podcast, so it's very kind of you. We uh, we appreciate you very much. Um, Christopher Watts, matching Benny's bet, just kindness being matched with kindness, I think. Which I think is, Watto's uh, the one that uh, cool. pointed out the error, so I think he felt a little bit guilty. 
it's 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 a lot of kindness matching kindness in the last couple of uh, donations, which has been awesome. Uh, Stoich has donated. This one is to keep JB quiet about his Robbie Gray <laughs> Footy's finest card from here on. I don't know the context behind this. Maybe you have some information, JB. Uh, so yeah, I purchased a, a card, a Robbie Gray card, on the weekend. And uh, I purchased it from a, a person uh, who helped me out a lot, actually. And uh, he did help me out because Stoich gave a, a really good review. And then it ended up taking a little bit of a turn and I paid a little bit extra. And I was jokingly blaming Stoich for the great character reference that got me in that situation in the first place. Um, I think he felt a little bit guilty because he's just a good person. And uh, <laughs> it, all, it all worked out for the best and for the best for the Cancer Council as well. Excellent. We also have Al who has donated a dozen dollars because Egg was rotten and didn't get 80 plus. He basically guaranteed everyone in Slack that um, <laughs> Egg, the Eggman, would go 80 plus. And, and who does Al support as well? Can not. I just ask? He's a Richmond supporter, but he okay. did donate a Baker's Dozen, which is a really good pun. Um, and next up, we have Sam Oxley. He's donated Missing the Trade Cutoff and Stuck at Pitnate R2. He was literally in Slack talking and he posted 30 seconds after the game started and he was like oh no i've forgotten the trade getting they gone like oh, and it bit, that, it bit him hard as well donating for dumb things but that's a nightmare that that is a waking nightmare um luke trawan has Ooh. he's donated saying um the fault dear brutus lies not within the stars but in ourselves that we are underlings the, i'm gonna say it's it's turned into a, a bit of a Shakespeare read. Um, we, we do appreciate all the donations, but yeah, there's just a lot of Shakespeare going on. Benny Buzzboy's donated again. Um, he's done a head-to-head bet with JB. He's said he's happy to lose a head-to-head to a stalwart of the Supercoach community and getting close by eight points. Still, he's winning by 262 points, so catch him if you can. I didn't, um, I didn't ask that. I didn't even type that message out for him as well, so thank you for the compliment there. Uh, then we have another donation from Benny Buzzwell. Oh, I'm just going to say, hard in the pocket. But he's he's had a, had a great week for the Cancer Council. Um, I'm going to read this one out. It's a bit long. I, I feel like there's a point where we're being taken advantage of for the amount of um, Happy donations. To do it. Happy to do it per, for the Council. per length of message. So he says, lost in head to head with Al, one of Slack's best chances for a bucket of the Colonels this year. Shakespeare as tradition. To barn me or not barn me, that is the question. Whether tis noble by the pep to suffer the stings and burns of outrageous chili or take, or JB's take arms in the sea of sushi and by opposing dog them. <laughs> okay, so wait, I'll give a bit of background to this one. <laughs> we will talk about Supercoach soon. We will. Um, no, so every, every Wednesday we have Barn Me Wednesday where uh, we will go to our local and get a Barn Me and post a picture up and it's, uh, it's a really good army vibe on Wednesdays and um, occasionally I opt for sushi instead and, and I get in a lot of trouble from the boys for uh, for ditching them on their barmy quest but I've, I've, opt- I've gone into two out of the four barmy Wednesdays it's good times alright we've got to fly through these to uh, Eccles he's donated for a hill donut donate for donuts losing to Tristan by 29 points and costing the rivalry win that's good go team JB uh, Tristan's in my team, so happy that you lost Eccles. And JB, there's there's a donation here from JB. Did you want to read this one out? I don't, honestly, but I will. You're doing it. <clears throat> uh, okay, so I'm stoked to see Ryder and Howard have blinders playing in what is, frankly, a much more attractive colours. 
P.S. Al, you'd be lucky to be the second funniest bloke in Slack. There's too many backstories <laughs> into this one, um, but Port obviously lost, St. Kilda won, and I'm sure you can piece together most of the rest of it. But uh, good bet to Butler and also Meso in there as well. So I've combined the two losses in there. Um, having said that, that's quite enough of my embarrassing tales and the uh, backstories that went into all those donations. We thank you all very much for donating, no matter what the... Uh, no matter how much writing you put in there, but please put less writing in there. We're going to go through the new Patreons of the week, and there are quite a few. As people know, we've got the Cup coming up this week, so a very popular time to get on board. Um, I'll start us off. Joshua Blaisley. We've got Iman, Luke Borg, Georgie, Damiano Lonegro. Oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm struggling with these. Jared Searle, Heather Monroe, Guy Fisher, Charlie. Oh, Charlie, you're a godsend for having a name like that. That is an easy pronunciation. Big Jackson Payne has come in, come in hot. Chani Shergill and Hayden Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like those were the Hayden easiest Kennedy, batch of the names. Umpire boss. No, it wasn't him. The it wasn't him. Boss He's is confirmed him. it wasn't him. He's confirmed it wasn't him. What, would you think he would go into a football group and be like, oh, yeah, it is me? I mean, the umpiring's <laughs> been... Absolutely impeccable it's, it's, the last two weeks. So I don't think he'd be embarrassed <laughs> to enter in and, and advise us that he is, in fact, the Hayden Kennedy. Um, yep. But those were probably the easiest names to read out ever, and I think I still stumbled over a couple of them. So um, apologies for that. Um, but welcome very much. And um, so many of them straight into the Slack. And speaking of the Slack pistol, we will actually discuss some football and super coach tactics now, 10 minutes into the podcast. Questions directly from the Slack channel. So if you want to get involved, obviously join that long list of shout outs. It's not too late to uh, sneak into the cup, I don't think. I'm uh, not sure when this is going to go out, but the Tuesday night cutoff is firm. Obviously, with the football starting on Wednesday, we will have our Dr. Supercoach Cup and I'm not sure when this will come out again. I'm just going around in circles. Continue, JB. Okay, well, it might be too late, so apologies. Um, we're going to get straight into the questions here anyway. And uh, I'm looking at... Cloaks but no Siglar um, has asked... <laughs> a great name, obviously. Has asked, is Hearn too old to be playing still? Now, um, I, it's, it's a bit of a shot at Shannon Hearn, which is a bit rough. He's had two good weeks in a row. I'm going to take this question as someone looking to potentially bring in Shannon Hearn pistol. And I'm going to ask you what you think about someone thinking about bringing in a player who has, I think he's turned up twice this year, once in round one, once in the round just gone, and in between was a whole lot of poor scores. He's obviously very cheap for that reason. What do you think about people bringing someone in like Shannon Hearn a week before his buy, nonetheless, as well? So he's put together back-to-back good scores, which is great. But as you said, a week before his buy, um, I think last week on the podcast, I said if it's one week before someone's buy, I wouldn't bring them in. So I'm going to stick to that. And just if you need to get Shannon Hearn, pick him up off the buy. And I do say if you need to get Shannon Hearn, because I do think this year there are equally viable options at almost identical prices as him, um, who I would be getting 10 times uh, more often than Shannon Hearn. I think for me this year, it's a, it's going to be a, a pass on, on Shannon Hearn, particularly when durability might come into play um, in the latter parts of the year. Yeah, I think he's kind of a poster boy for what we discussed in terms of age and uh, potential injury risk. He generally does a soft tissue injury most years that he plays. Um, so I wouldn't really be trading him with, with a lot of confidence that he either won't be rested or injured during uh, the next 20 
day period. So uh, we'll jump into the next one. It's from uh, The Duke asks, is a triple downgrade a stupid idea or a viable one? Um, if it's not viable, Pistol, I'll get you to just quickly um, fly through who you think the actual best rookie options are this week. Um, there is a few that stand out. Um, do you think a triple downgrade this week is viable? And I'll tempt you with the fact that Mitch Duncan and Tom Stewart are likely going to be coming into a very rarefied um, area in terms of price next week. Yeah, I, I'm i not a huge fan of triple downgrading. However, I think if it enables you to double upgrade next week and take advantage of the extraordinary value um, of Stewart and Duncan, then I think it is viable. And there are there are rookies this week, um, at least from what I can tell. If uh, we're going to name them, I think close from, I said that really strangely, um, from Geelong at 109K is probably... The, the best person to bring in one because his price is generally incredibly cheap and to kind of filling in that forward line they've got a lot of players Dalhouse and Ablett out of that forward line I think um, he played well enough that he can play uh, throughout this period and yep. make some money as well so for me he's the number one uh, rookie target for this week then you can kind of justify a whole bunch of other rookies um, if you needed to my pick um, I already have uh Gatorade. I already have Gatorade. No, I did it well pistol, last week. Pistol. No shortcuts. What's his name? Um, Georgiadis. Close enough. Okay, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, he's 179K, so he has had the price rise. Um, two good scores and 86 this week. Um, he's going to be inconsistent as uh, key talls, Um but I still think he's got maybe another 80k in him, unless he's got another big game. Um, so for me, that that's probably an option. I don't know if it's the best option, but it's an option. I'll say. Um, Do we factor McPherson, in the fact that Georgiadis is probably a better on-field option as well? Yeah, I think. Well, it's it's risky with key forwards because they've got a really low floor. But he's, he's not exactly a key forward. He I know he he plays tall because of his leaping ability. But he actually is shorter than what you'd probably expect someone uh, with his reputation to be. Um, I just think I think he's only about three or four marks and one or two goals away from um, having a floor of about 60 or 70 points. Um, if he does it at the right time of the game, it could be more. Uh, if he does it at the most inopportune time possible, then it could be less. But um, I think if we're looking at around 60 or 70 points from a rookie, he's probably one of the standout options on field, I think. So Todd Marshall is out, who has been playing. So yep. do you expect then Gatorade to play taller? No. So um, I expect Westhoff to go back forward, Trent McKenzie to come back into the team. Uh, Westhoff was exclusively in defense this week. Um, Westhoff should then play that second tool slash um, tagging key forward on the person's best like intercept defender type situation that Marshall was playing. And then uh, George Ellis is free to do as he's been doing so far. Okay, excellent. Well, um, we should say Marshall's out for six weeks with a fractured thumb, I believe. Yes. So um, that job security looks pretty good for Gatorade right there. Um, we've got McPherson at 212K coming off a 90 this week, JB. Do you think he's still a viable trading option? Well, I can't. I don't want to skip over this person completely, so I'll kind of ask their question as well because it, it relates. 
Um, Barbecue Barbs has asked, um, defender rookie options, Watson, Ling, or spend a little bit more on uh, McPherson. So it's it's tough because I've I've obviously watched McPherson being an owner in the last couple of weeks. I I don't think he, I don't think his role in the team is good enough for him to score sixty plus any given week. So um, I think a, a score around fifty is probably where he'll be at most weeks. Um, the fact that Duday went down last week really really helped him with his scoring. I think he was. Uh, in the top three ranked players on the ground after Duda went down. Um, took a few intercept marks, but obviously we expect Duda to play when he's fit, which um, is looking like even being this week. So I wouldn't expect McPherson to keep putting up scores like this. So for that reason alone, I'd rather take someone who hasn't appreciated um, near on 100k already. So McPherson was on 10 at half time. So that could have easily, if Duda hadn't have gone down, that could have easily been just like a like a super 10. coach killing game <laughs> yeah it, it could have been awful um so i tend to agree um like he obviously will make some money but it's not it's it's not my favorite proposition um i think some other ones to consider elijah taylor is still quite cheap i think he's 137k um from swans and he looks decent enough my problem is i i don't think he's gonna score 60s i think he's going to be one of those 40s to 60 range yep um so he might not make money but i think his job security should be okay because he's doing bits for the swans um there was bell at 129k for the swans um he scored 54 however i'm i'm less convinced on his job security so that one is probably a pass for me and just stop me if you disagree with with one of these jb no, well. a couple more we've got um Ben McKay um, down back, and I think people are looking at him. He's had two decent scores, um, 191K. Uh, is it too late to get him as an option? I don't completely understand. I mean, I know why he's scoring decently, but I don't think it's exactly sustainable. So I'd kind of opt in the same sort of vein as Mark, uh, McPherson um, towards someone who's bottom price um, and can make that 70K back on them just by being you know, on the field. Um, players that get to about 200k, as we've seen with Buderick at the moment, um, they really still need to like keep those 70-plus scores ticking in to get to that 300k mark. The next 100k is much more difficult to make. So I would imagine um, someone like Ling would be able to chase them down in the next uh, four or five weeks. Yeah, so I was beating around the bush, but Ling, 123k uh, Swans defender, played as a small lockdown, not a super fantasy-friendly role. Um, I imagine his scoring will also be between 40 and 60, so not going to be somebody that you want to have on your field, but I think he's okay to just have as that slow burn on your bench, and you know it will take him as long as it took McHenry to make his first 100K. I know McHenry's not there yet, but hopefully he <laughs> can still make 100K. I feel like Ling will provide um, that sort of slow burn um, in making money, JB. I think, lastly, Porter from the Bulldogs got injured, so I know people were quite keen on him. I was quite keen on him, actually. I thought his role was really good, but uh, unfortunately, it looks like he's going to miss a couple of weeks, so not to be, JB. Yep, so as he started the answer um, to that question from Duke, the triple... <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually answer anything, no, you did, did I? You I just did. went through all the rookies. <laughs> no, 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 you did. And you answered it and then you sort of cycled through the rookies. So you, you said that a triple downgrade is viable if 
the double upgrade is is next week and is to those two cheap players. Um, I kind of want to throw back to you a little bit. Is it okay to take a 10 to 20k loss this week on one of those players, um, whichever you'll be replacing the lowest scoring rookie on your field with, whether it be Stewart or um, Mitch Duncan? Is it okay to do that this week to get the points on the field? You could be looking at 50, 60 points, depending on um, who they are replacing in your side. Um, as you said, we don't want to field Ling, and a lot of us do have Williamson and no Stephen Hill, so um, it could be a decent point to play to get one of those a week early. Is the 10 to 20K, even to 30K, um, that important to make a triple downgrade this week, suffer in points, and then um, try and make them back over the course of the season? For the sake of you know thirty forty k, yeah. Look, every team's different. It depends on how your cash generation going. If you're really really struggling and you need to squeeze every dollar out of your team, then you might want to hold off. And if Stewart's got a break even of one hundred and sixty two, he's not going to get anywhere near that this week. Um, but I do think that for the sake of you know, if he pops up, pops out a hundred, you know, if there's only going to be another twenty five thirty k lost from him, if you're going to make 80 points up or, or 70 points up on a Ling or Williamson, um, you know, that's probably worthwhile. Um, that, that's that's a lot of points for one week. So I can definitely see reasons as to... And obviously to avoid a donut, you, you can do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I see plenty of reasons that you can do it, but also a lot of people just can't because of the, the money constraints this year. Yep, understood. Uh, I think that's a good detailed answer to that question i'm going to move on to the next one which is asked by duffer uh kayla daniel haynes sicily who is the best defender to have right now so i assume we're operating with a bit of an unlimited purse at the moment um would like to carry over money but if it's for the sake of getting in the best defender and spending a little bit more happy to do it which of these three are we looking at without a doubt for me, it's Haynes, and there's there's a reason. Wow. Sicily is scoring the best. He, he's totally scoring the best, but I'm not going to buy him a week before his buy. Um, Caleb Daniel, most of us have at least Bailey Smith and probably McRae and maybe another Bulldog. I don't really want to have three players from the same team in my super coach team when their buy has yet to be i think when that is announced you know if it's coupled with another team that you have players from you could be looking at donuts or having the sideways trade them later and they're all so so similar right now that there's no reason to i guess put your your team under that pressure later in the year particularly when i don't think there's going to be major scoring differences between the three of them moving forward from this point onwards so Haynes does have a round 11 bye, but given there's only two teams in that bye, no one should be struggling to field the best 18 that week. I know I've just jinxed it, JB, and there's going to be like mass carnage yeah, and rest of that week. But right now, looking you know, through our crystal ball, everything's going to be fine. There's only going to be Swans and GWS missing in rounds 11. Most people wouldn't have four players combined from those sides, and therefore that makes Hayne a much more attractive option. I love Nick Haynes, and I love what he's done this season, and um, absolutely is probably my top target in defence, if money's not an op- obstacle, because Tom Stewart's a great option, obviously, as well. So They've got a really good draw as well, JB. Like, coming up, oh, no. I, I, I was worried... <laughs> me and my draws. Um, <laughs> I was worried 
um, about his his uh, his um, break even. I think it was 142. So I was like, oh, do I get him this week? But seeing Gold Coast, Essendon, and Sydney, like they're all games where the forward entry kicking isn't superb. Let's put it that way. Uh, he could be cleaning up um, if he's taking all those intercept markings. So I'm pretty excited about bringing him in this week. So are you bringing him in confirmed? If there's no... Wow. Let's say we're recording um, before teams... Actually, teams have been announced while we're talking on the podcast, I believe. Um, as long as Pickett's playing, then they should be bringing in Haynes this week, I think. Okay, I'm going to go to the next question. It's from WebDog. Asks, he okay, he currently has Tom Lynch, Brett Bewley, and Devin Smith sitting in his forward line. Um, he does also say here that you'll likely mock him for that, so I would hope not, Pistol. Yep. We try to help our community. Oh, okay, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these three should he be moving to Petrarca this week? Oh, my gosh. Can you I rank mean, them, actually? That because is... someone might actually have Bewley and Devin Smith, so and not the dominant I mean, direction. I, I would hold Bewley to his bye and just get rid of him at his okay. bye, I think. Um because he's at least scoring better. I, I, I would probably get rid of Lynch. I just, I, I don't feel like he's a good pick at all. And I can understand when people say Dev Smith is a bad pick, but, you know, we started him for a reason, whether or not we were right or wrong, and it looks like we were wrong. Um, there's at least some sort of potential there. I don't know. It's really tough, isn't it? <laughs> They're all so bad. I feel so bad for you. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of potential anywhere, and um, not a lot of them have favourable scoring history or break-evens or whatever it might be. I think you can just safely trade whoever you think you want to trade WebDoc, and you, you'll probably not get an answer wrong, because I don't think any of them are going to burn you on the other side. Um, so probably <laughs> oh, okay. safe to do that. Um, I'm going to move on to the next one. Marcus um, asks again, and we'll just quickly re- reiterate, Worth going a week early on Stewart would mean trading out Noble, who may also lose cash. Um, is there any merit in going Gould to Ling? So, um, multifaceted question here. Firstly, I'll just quickly ask again your opinion, yes or no, on um, if your cash generation is okay. I think you said uh, getting in Stewart or Duncan early this week. Yeah, I think if Noble's potentially going to lose price as well, then like you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. Okay, and then the uh, second part was the merit in going gold to Ling this week. So using a player who hasn't played or appreciated any money and switching them to someone for no profit. I don't. I don't actually like a strategy of swapping non-playing rookies for other non-playing rookies at this time of the year. I did mention it on the last podcast. I think you should be generating cash where possible and taking out non-playing rookies who have gone up in price. I mean, it depends on other situa- on other things like who has DPP and not and how your team is tracking. And, you know, obviously if you're relying on Gould to play or you're going to cop a donut, well, then you kind of have to trade him. But for me, I would be focusing on other rookies first and that would be a super low priority rookie because he's going to play at some stage, whether or not it's this week. It's going to happen this season and um, it's going to end up being a wasted trade. I mean, just looking at a recent example, you and I both had um, Gatorade on the bench for like the entire season. We never sideways traded him and you know now he's back in the side. And, and looking valuable, like a good option. Yep. Um, so... 
Gould is going to be a good option when he plays. Um, I don't think anyone's got any doubts about it. That's why he started him. So I'd be quite hesitant to do it sideways there. Jay Bizzle asks, is having too many Demons players a bad thing? Currently has Gorn, Petrarca, Viney, Benel, and considering Oliver. Um, at the moment, I'll take this one straight off the top. I don't think there's any such thing as too many Demons players this year. The last three or four weeks, those that are like me who have Gorn, Petrarca, Oliver, um, and Benel either on the bench or um, as their M8, I think they they would not complain one single bit because the first three, Gorn, Petrarca, and Oliver, are dominating every match um, pretty much from and the Viney. get-go. <laughs> and, and then you look at Viney as well, and he's dominated the last two matches, had a softer period before that, but dominated the first few as well. So... Um, I yeah, I doubt anyone would tell you that there's too too yeah, any such thing as too many demons, and they're they're being competitive as well at the moment. They're staying in game, so it's not like last season. Um, I think they they have a lot of good options this year. They don't have a buy, obviously. That's a as good well, thing. Yeah. I imagine there will be some sort of rotation as the year goes, just to give them a break. But I I don't think you have to really worry about that yet, and you know take that as it comes. Um, I think Benel as well. He's not going to be in your side long term, so don't really stress about having him at the moment and counting him as one of your demons. Yeah, exactly. He's probably going to get rested heavily as well. So uh, next question is from Panna. He says, "Is Mera or Shield worth considering? Um, neither of them have a buy, and they both have achievable break evens." Or does he go the safer option and spend more money on someone like Jackson McRae whilst he's still achievable? Um, just focusing on the Bombers for a second, Shill and Merritt, they've they've had okay seasons. They've had, obviously, their ups and downs. I think Merritt's probably the better of the two players in terms of super coach scoring. Um, are either of them in consideration for you considering the lack of buy coming in the future? I mean, it would be silly to say I haven't considered them for one second, given they, they don't have a buy. But it's it's not like Merritt has been putting out fantastic scores this year. He's put out a 78 and a 68. I mean, he's put out two big scores, a 135 last week and a 159 in round two. Um, but I, I just think if you're comparing him to McRae, I know McRae is going to have a buy, and you can look at the total points accumulated over the next 10 weeks for Zeret and then nine weeks for McRae and then that rookie score that comes on um, for McRae. But I would struggle to believe that it's going to turn out in Zeret's favor over somebody like McRae. I mean, Zeret just had a fantastic week at 135 and McRae still smashed him with a 169. Yeah, absolutely. So um, McRae, as you said, looking great and uh, probably worth... uh, I think he'll make more points even with a buy. Um, than what Merritt is looking at. So the next question is a great one. It's from the other Blackie, and he asks, how much data do we need to see before we know a player has turned a corner in this coming good? So um, this this is a great question, and I'll, I'll immediately reference someone like um, Shannon Hearn, who people are considering getting in this week, but quite unsure as to whether he's had a two-game patch or if it's the return to WA um, or if he just got lucky and the ball fell in his arms more times than usual in the last game. So um, how much data do you require when you're looking at trading someone in for a, a bargain price considering their form was really low and has now turned around? Look, Supercoach is a funny game in that it's a season of small sample size. You know, We have to make our trading decisions within the first 10, week of, 10 weeks of a season. So the maximum sample size we're going to get 
um, for a lot of these players is about 10 games. And then on top of that, there's subset of sample sizes based on you know, a player coming back from injury or, or in this case, Shannon Hearns had two good games. Um, so the sample size is even more restricted. So there's no real good answer because it's always we're acting on less information than I guess is ideal to pick out trends um, right off the bat. But I guess it's those people that more accurately identify it are the ones that um, and earlier so more accurately and earlier identified than the rest of the pack are the ones that get an advantage. Um, it's hard to say because every case is different, but for me and for Hearn, um, you know, the buys are, have a factor, so I would give that another week. But I, I think for me, three or four weeks is usually enough um, in a shortened season in particular where I just say, okay, I'm going to make a decision, I'm going to make a call. You know, if, if it's a combination of things like roll, um, if, if, there's, if you can put the reasons behind the scoring in the last you know month or so um, and you don't see that changing in the future I think you can just call it a day and say yep you know this is this is what I think is going to happen um, for the rest of the season maybe a example of that was Jack Steele I think we took like I got him in what was it round four or round five I said on the podcast and you asked me or maybe it was Chizo actually said, why would I get somebody? Actually, it was definitely Chizo now that I'm saying it out loud. Um, <laughs> why would I get somebody that's basically gone from, you know, 100 average every year? And why do I think he's going to be able to go 115 plus this year? And I just said, well, I'm looking at his scores here and I'm not going to overthink it. I see four really good scores uh, and one bad score. And it was against Collingwood where Collingwood seems generally... Um, when they're playing well, sucks the points out of the midfield of the the opposition team and um, of the scoring ability, I should say, of the midfielders. Um, and you could see his role is exceptional. You just watch him play. He's around the ball all the time. So I thought, okay, that's enough of a sample size to make the, the judgment call. And that's gone well, but obviously things can change uh, in four weeks, such as last season we had 10 rounds of Sicily. I think it was 10. It could have been 14, something like that. Sicily played. He played down back every single quarter for the entire season, and then we bring him in, and then he just plays forward for like two games in a row, like every quarter forward for two games in a row, and just scores terribly, and then you know scores badly or, or poorly or maybe above average because it's defenders <laughs> um, for the rest of the season, and it just ends up you know getting burnt. So you never really know, um, but yeah, for me, it's it's about a month. Okay, so Sharon Hearn doesn't tick that box. Not um, yet, but you know. Not yet. That's time. Yeah, okay. Um, it's probably a good time right now to, to just put out a disclaimer that I should have done at the start of the podcast. I do have a new puppy, um, and I've noticed a couple of his random barks show up on the uh, on the little lines here on my recording. So uh, if you do hear that, I do apologize. We're usually pretty squeaky clean on the, the background noise, but... Um, I think the fiance is having a hard time controlling him in the background there. So I thought I'd just quickly point that out. None of us are, are getting attacked by a dog in, in the background. So um, <laughs> the next question is from new guy, uh, Damiano, saying he is choosing between a combination such as Hearn and Jaden Short plus Georgiadatis and Close um, or going up to someone like Clayton Oliver and Jack Steele um, to Geo and Close, which would involve getting rid of um, Devin Smith. So it's pretty much the keep versus get rid of Devin Smith, which we spoke about a lot last week. I was heavily 
um, in the camp of getting rid of Devin Smith, and um, I did so <laughs> on the weekend. And trust me, the Essendon game was the easiest game of the weekend to watch for me because um, he was bad again, and usually that stresses me out. But at, you know, at the time of viewing, I was thinking he's owned by fifty percent of coaches, and I'm not one of them. So um, I do heavily recommend getting rid of him just for your mental health alone. Um, but in regards to an upgrade like that, I don't think Hearn or Shaw have enough behind them to say that they're guaranteed to be top um, six of their line. Short's probably closer to being a guaranteed top eight player, um, but Basha Hooli is whispered to be coming back to the hub in a couple of weeks, so um, that could impact him in the latter part of the season, so you would have wanted to have owned him for a few weeks now to have taken full advantage of that hot streak that he's been on. Um, I think the, the security of Oliver slash Steele um, and I'll get you to actually pick out one of those as well, if you don't mind. Um, over keeping someone like Devin Smith is kind of a win-win because Devin Smith is scoring like a rookie in his 300k and losing money. And those players are far, far better than the uh, the other options. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think to answer your first question, probably Oliver without a buy. Um, I'm not leaning heavily. I, I mean, if there wasn't a buy, I actually would say Jack Steele, but... I think it's very close, in which case I'm going to go with the trusty, trusted um, Oliver and he doesn't have a buy, so that will answer that that part of the question. And I forgot the other part of the question already, JB. Just the Devon versus no Devon. Ah, oh, yeah, look, I'll put my hand up and say, I think I got that one wrong on the podcast last week. Uh, you, were, you were advocating strongly to get rid of him. I was saying, oh, yeah, you're warm bodies over this tight period. Um, and for me... I was looking at either doing Devin Smith to Sicily or doing um, a rookie to um, Eggsmith. Uh, obviously, I went Eggsmith, who got 45, and Sicily outscored Dev Smith by over 100 points. So that hurt a lot, and that may, may might mean that I'm extra down on uh, Dev Smith this week. <laughs> Dev Smith. But, uh, yeah, he's scoring exceptionally poorly uh, in the last five weeks. And it's looking like if you can get him to a top line primo, that might be the play instead, particularly when we have rookies that are outscoring him and, you know, we could get them on the field instead. Yeah, the rookies that are outscoring him is the probably the cherry on the cake. If you um, had Georgiatis on your bench, of course you're not going to bench Devin Smith. Um, that would have been a tough pill to swallow, losing about 50 points there. So um, I'm going to jump into the next question. Lockie M asks, is it worth holding Dude if, the, if, it, yeah, if he is a chance of playing this week? Um, I know with reduced rounds, it makes it harder, etc. So um, I think he is going to play this week. At the moment, the word is that it wasn't any hamstring um, tightness or injury or, or anything like that. It's more, in simple terms, a corky to uh, the upper... Um, or lower but, buttock, I should say. Um, and that's sort of the tightness that he was feeling at the time. They didn't want to risk their captain, um, the young captain coming off an ACL year where he missed every game, obviously, um, with a potential hamstring. So they arrested him and um, the scans obviously have come back fine for him. So I'd assume he plays. If not, if he is ruled out for this week, you would heavily expect him to play next week. Um, would you be holding him for the one week off? I, th- I think he'll play as well. So I'm in the camp of just holding him and upgrading your team around him um, because yep. I-, I do think he's enough of a, p- of a player this season to finish in your final you know D6 side. I-, I-, I do worry now, I think it's a timely reminder that he is coming off an ACL and during the next four weeks, I would be surprised if he plays all four matches. 
Um, hopefully it comes in one of the rounds where there's a buy though, so it doesn't impact us as much. I, I do think that it will happen. Um, you know, maybe they decide that they pull that pin on this week instead to give him a bit of a rake and break and then he can play the rest of the games. But I, I still firmly, um, I believe that you should hold him. If they ruled him as an actual hamstring strain or tear, then I would suggest trading uh, with all the Absolutely. games in quick succession. But for a corky, um, I, I would be shocked if he missed two weeks because of that. Now, for the only question that we actually had to put research into, uh, it's Duffer asking who is the best player of any line um, that is priced at 400k or under. So um, I happen to know for a fact, Pistol, that you've looked into the answer to this question <laughs> and have the perfect answer for him. You saw this name and told me that there is no better player to consider in the entirety of the game of Supercoach. So who is this hidden gem that you've uncovered? <laughs> Uh, so I've got to preface this with why are we looking at players under 400k at this point of the season? That <laughs> it's true. It's not good super coach strategy um, to to bring in somebody unless like no super primos fall into that price. And uh, if you're struggling to get somebody, just go rookie and then use the cash the next week to get two proper premiums in. Um, I wouldn't be trying to find a middle superstar. Um, I don't think you're going to find one. The best Until players... you found this guy. <laughs> it's Pitane. <laughs> um, oh, my God. There, there, there isn't a good option. I mean, Bolton is 401, um, and that's as close as I can get. Otherwise, I guess with Archie Smith out, you could maybe look at um, Oscar McInerney. He's 353K with forward <laughs> DPP, but I, I wouldn't be getting anyone. Uh, I'd be getting a rookie under, under 400K. Okay. That's a good answer. Did you choke? Um, <laughs> I just can't believe we have mentioned Oscar McInerney on the podcast. He's got um, he's got two scores above one twenty when when playing as that soul rock. What what are the other scores like uh, just over the course of the season? Yeah, they're not they're not great. He hasn't been he hasn't been soul rocking for all of the games, but um, he has a good ruck run coming up. Essendon, Richmond, Bulldogs. That's that's a good ruck run. It don't get no one get him okay no one no one do it let's just get a rookie yeah don't get back in early don't get um, don't get rosie either just stop listening to pistol's advice and avoid McInerney, in my opinion um the next question is from knock who asks which wait is it noc or is it knock i don't know if it's in okay it's anyway. one of these um, bbq uh type situations no it's this is barbecue i i pronounced it correctly earlier i don't want you to drag me back into the bbq <laughs> world so, I've never been to that world before until you started saying it. Anyway, read out what, what NOC has around. to say. No, I'm upset about the BBQ thing now. Um, which players would you not go near? The players that are most likely uh, slash most at risk to miss games due to being managed or getting injured in each line in the upcoming close fixture. So I'd love a name from you from each line of a player that you would consider trading in under normal circumstances, but now won't go near due to the injury concerns? That's a really tough question off the cuff. I have to just no, no. look at every line and just tell you... I've already written my players down. Oh, oh, so, okay, you answer it then. I don't know. No, 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 I would like you to go first, though. <laughs> okay. Well, um, <laughs> uh, I think in the midfield... Um, we spoke about it on the previous podcast. I think Dane Zorko is a pretty good chance of struggling to get through four. 
games in 16 days. That's who I wrote down as well. Crazy. Yeah, we've spoken about it before. Um, I think for him not having a break and coming off injury, that's not going to go particularly well. well I'll, I'll go next. I'll go next. I'll give you a chop out. Shannon Hearn in defense. Oh, he's going to buy. Why, would he, why is he going to miss two games? It doesn't matter. He could get rested or injured in those four games, 100%. But you, you, the answer was that you were willing to trade in. So you're suggesting that you're no, willing to trade him in. You're not willing to trade in. It's which players would you not go near? Oh, well, I mean, I wouldn't go near like Kale Hooker because he's injured. <laughs> not go near due to their injury risk and a player that you would have traded in in normal circumstances yeah, you, but won't be this season you because would of the have injuries. so you're saying you would have traded in Hearn under normal circumstances at that price going and playing 20 games in a row in WA yeah you're mad but in condensed fixtures I would not trade in Hearn no um, does that make sense are, you, are we getting yeah, there yeah don't like the question no? um, <laughs> I think I thought it was a good question I don't know if Zach Williams has a buy. He's meant to come back this week. I don't. I don't really oh trust God. him to play. Um, He's not even playing in defence this year. He's uh, playing forward. Zach Williams. Yeah, I just don't trust him to to get consistent. Would you Would you trade him in under normal circumstances? If the price fell and the role was good, sure. <laughs> I think we need to move on to the next question. I mean, this is an impossible question to do on the fly. <laughs> well, why don't you look into it? I didn't. I don't look into the questions before the podcast. I think. Okay. How about this question? <laughs> okay. Mar- Marshall asks. I see it often, but could you please tell me where I could actually find the delete team button? Cheers. I told you. I've never had to look for it again. Why are people not listening to previous podcasts? Or oh, they just assume Cheese is going to be on one of them eventually. <laughs> Cheese knows where it is. <laughs> okay. 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 Next question is Deem Hack. Um, and he asks, trade Doherty, three-round average of 68, owned by 62% of the competition. Um, could get an advantage of him uh, on him uh, if he continues to do poorly, if you trade him out before the rest of the competition clues onto it, a la Devin Smith last week, Pistol. What do you think of Sam Doherty? Entirely different situation as Dev Smith. Doherty's been tagged three of the last four games um, because he's good. So when he doesn't get tags, you know, he's going to score well. And I don't believe every team is going to tag him for the rest of the season. You have bigger fish to fry as well during this time. I mean, if he's scoring 60s for the next five weeks, let's revisit the situation. But hold him until then. Wow, you're going to revisit it after five weeks of 60s? He's going to be like 300k. Well, that's when I'll finish my team. And you know what? I'll still keep <laughs> Doherty and I'll just get a cheap D7 to loophole him with. You're on some different stuff tonight. I love it. Um, Crazy Chef, and bear with me on this one, asks, with the best 18 on the horizon, is it better to hold fringe rookie players like Noble, Taylor, Stasevich, and Blaze on elite premiums like Oliver or Lloyd using Smith and Doty, do they? Or move on the worser non-scoring rookies like Green, Sturt, Tom Brown, Cavaro. I mean, those are very literally non-scoring rookies. And bring in scoring and appreciating rookies like McPherson, Geo Mackay enclosed for team depth. Uh, Did you get all that? Yeah, I don't really understand the question. I think if you have Green, you know, he's already 260K, so just cash him out to a rookie and take the 140K and upgrade someone like Noble. And ta-da, now you've so got a primo. Much, I, I, I think the gist of it is, are you willing to 
um, hold these fringe players and, and take price drops in the meantime um, to have guaranteed warm bodies and players that are, are going to be playing and albeit not scoring amazingly, um, at least are playing to plug into the best 18 over the buyers? Or are we looking to move on the players like... I mean, Green's an obvious trade-out, but the Sturr and Kavara-type options aren't as obvious. I mean, it depends on how many players you have for the best 18. Like, currently you have 22 playing players. With the best 18, if you have all your bench that can play on your field and all your players that have the buy off your field, if you're still hovering at like 20, 22 players, then what's that's fine. You don't, you don't need to have more than that. That's just... I'd rather use the money and use my trades to make my team improve um, points-wise on field rather than just like sideways trading rookies um, like Kavara. I think I've said that before. But yeah, I'd, I'd trade Noble if his break even if it's time to go. Then it's time to go. Okay. Basically, basically no change to like your usual strategy as long as you have enough agree, cover. Yeah. Like if you have no yeah. cover at all, like zero people on your bench, then do something about that using your three trades. Like would you would you trade in a Noble or a Rivers this week if it meant even if it's like a Ling? Trade out, you mean? Would you, would you would you rather have? Sorry. Did you say like trade out Noble over Rivers? Yeah, yeah. Even though you like, for example, you, you might know that Noble's going to play three of the next four. Rivers won't play any. He's 160k versus 250 um, or 280, whatever Noble is at the moment. Noble is going to drop in money. You're only going to have him on the bench, but is it better to have that warm body and have two emergencies rather than having one, which is Cameron Ling? Cameron Ling. I knew I was going to say that in this podcast. <laughs> um, but it is Ling for Sydney, who's going to score probably 40 or 50 during those those buys. Yeah, it's still a trade out Noble. Um, as long as you have one okay. playing bench, I think it's fine. And Rivers has the DPP, which is kind of helpful at times or will be helpful during this period, I'm sure. That was probably a better way to word it. Um, JL asks, and this will be the last question I ask you before we get into some captaincy options, best ruck rookie to downgrade to. Now, there's a lot of talk about either going to Darcy Cameron as an option this week, um, waiting it out for Draper, going on Keegan Brooksby. Um, there are a few ruck options at R3 that are sort of you know, trying to peek their head up and and be options for our team, I guess. Um, I don't really like Brooksby. I think his job security is, is awful and probably the worst. I do think Draper is going to play over the next month, but I doubt it's going to be um, every game unless he really has form that justifies it. That leaves Cameron, and are you willing to pay... I think he's up to 200k, Cameron? Yeah. Or 190k? Um, are you willing yeah. to pay that much for an R3 who's probably not going to see the field? Uh, are they going to be an R3 or are they going to be swung forward if it's Cameron? Um, R3. I, I would get Draper. Um, Brooksby's going to lose his spot for Segler, you'd imagine. Um, yep. Draper, you get 70k on... Cameron and, and Draper will play like at some stage of the season. He's playing. He's going to be the future number one rock for Essendon. He's a good scorer in the VFL. So, I mean, not that that's going to perfectly translate, but I have more faith that he's going to play games long-term um, and provide adequate cover, and he's cheaper than, than Cameron. I guess if you're struggling for depth during this best 18 period, I, I can see an appeal of, of bringing in Cameron this week. Um so I guess if he can be swung forward, I don't yeah. Think it's if much if he can be it, swung then. forward, uh, if he's going to just be stuck as your R three, I probably wouldn't. So then you can okay. loophole him. I like that. You know, I mean, yeah. Oh, to be fair, I don't know how much loopholing I would recommend during this time. 
Okay, well, that that wasn't asked as a question. I actually am curious about that. Um, someone asked me in the rivalry league, uh, Team JB, during the week, uh, whether I'd be loopholing quite as aggressively during the, these times with you know the potential of teams not even being released before my loopholes even completed. Um, I'd love to know what you think in regards to that and just the risk of maybe getting the extra 30 points or getting left with nothing. So, I mean, obviously, captaincy loophole is a different story than emergency loopholing, so definitely captaincy loophole. But for the emergency yeah. loophole, you really leave yourself vulnerable in some situations where you just um, are benching somebody without the emergency without even knowing the rest of the lineups for the, for the week. So I, I would be trying my best to avoid loopholing and just make sure I've got an emergency on somebody that is capable um, in case there's any late outs or any surprising fiction news. I, I would strongly advise that minimizing your risk with your loopholes. If you are loopholing, you know, make sure just look at which premiums you have left to play in that position and where your rookies uh, are playing. Like if all your premiums, for example, play early in the round and your rookies play late in the round, you know, it's a little bit safer because you're not going to cop a late out from a premium player. Um, so you just need to kind of weigh that up and mitigate that risk. I think that leads quite well into, though, JB, looking at another rookie option that we have not spoken about, Tobe Watson. Um, he He's 123K. <laughs> I know, I said Joe Watson, Tobe, Toby, whatever. Um, he's 123K. He's got better scoring potential than Ling. I'd say job security-wise... Is a bit it has iffy. to be worse at this point. Well, he was a, he came in as a late in, right? So yeah, he performed well, and I can imagine it's it's he did play well. I think he, he'll hold his spot, but am I willing to gamble it on the last game of the round where I, my rest of my team is locked in, and potentially if Duda is out, I'm gambling a donut on bringing him in instead of Ling. Like, is that is it worth it? I think we're facing our first decision and the first sensible choice we need to make over this time by not gambling on someone that might be a good cash cow because I do think Toby will be good um, but avoiding that late game where we won't know if he's playing until last second with potential you know Williamson and Dude I, I wouldn't be surprised if either of them missed this week I wouldn't be surprised if either of them well both of them played this week obviously um, I'd be less surprised if both of them played but you don't it's not worth risking it for someone who's um, at least similar. If if Toby Watson had a scored, you know, eighty on the weekend, then we'd be having a serious conversation conversation right now. But I don't think he's that far superior to Ling that we need to risk taking a donut for. Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with you there, JB. And also this year you can kind of jump on rookies after one price rise. I know it, it sucks, but you know they they don't skyrocket immediately so worst case scenario you know we could potentially get him in next week if we needed needed a rookie option so um i'll just flag that early jb i just wanted to touch on um something i i wrote about uh for the herald sun this week in the dr Supercoach oh daily gosh. dose now you're showing off it was about um best 18 strategy um there was a, there was a section on fixture strategy but i just want to touch on the best 18 strategy part of the the article um and that was looking at players that have high variance um compared to i guess the safe uh, consistent picks that are potential i guess we'll call them value picks so i'm talking about 
the Andrew Gaffs, who you know you'd expect them to go 100, 110 every single week from now on, compared to a player that might have um, a much higher ceiling and potentially a lower floor. Um, I don't have a name off the top of my head because I'm just talking <laughs> um, off the cuff. Dylan Shield. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Gaff's still better than Shield, but whatever. Let's just say Dylan Shield for this um, <laughs> example. Um, during the best 18 scoring, obviously the players that you have on your field are reduced from 22 to 18 scoring players, and that means that there's lower variance overall between the round scores from team to team, which means it is a little bit harder to move up or down rankings each week. Um, and to take advantage of that is sometimes you need to, I guess, catch lightning on the bottle um, and, and try and shark those really big scores. And if you look at how your team's going to be completed um, after probably round 14, 13, there's definitely going to be more buys. We, we know that for a fact later in the season. And we're going to assume, based on um, the precedent that's been set, that there's going to be more best 18 scores during those rounds. So I'm looking for... I'm not just looking right at these buys. I'm looking down the line. There's going to be up to five buys because there's 10 teams that still need to have a buy. If they do two per round, you know, that's going to be five times of best 18. They might just get them out of way in, you know, two rounds and then it's just two rounds of best 18 scores. But at that stage, we're going to have fully premium teams. Now, if you're, let's say you have 15 amazing players in your side and then you have... This, can I just say, this is the longest question I've ever been asked. It's not a question. I'm just going through the strategy of it. Um, okay. If you have 15 really top-end premiums and then you're you're gone for, let's say, seven value-ish picks um, to finish your team for your, your best 22, let's say your last seven just average 100 flat, that means when you get mm-hmm. up to the best 18, your 15 guns premiums are going to be added into your score. And then from your last seven players, I mean, some will have the buy, but let's say none have the buy, um, only three of them are going to count into your best 18, your 15 guns and the three other best 18 players. If you get value picks, like Yo was a good example the other week. I mean, we didn't know it at the time um, when Yo was an option. He's likely going to be one of these, you know, 100, 100, 100 players. You get 300 points for those three players. But if you were to pick, you know, seven players, some with really high variance and and so high ceilings and and low floors, you might have someone that gets 150, 120, 70, 40, you know, 90. And then your best three out of those ends up being a 90, a 150, and, and 120. So you end up with a lot more points than 300 from those three players um, because of their high variance. And that's how you kind of gain on the rest of the ground, even though they probably scored the same amount across those um, players as the in the, the consistent situation. Only three of them count, and you only need to shark three big scores out of them. So um, I think it's worthwhile at least considering when you're trading in players now, trying to look at the players that have that really high ceiling, um, and maybe if there's a situation where you're deciding between two players, potentially go for the player with the higher variance just to try and gain an upper hand at the latter parts of the season. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I do agree, um, especially with how you finish there. If, you, if you're choosing between two players and they're, they're similar in most ways, but one has just higher variance, as you said, um, I would lean towards getting a couple of those um, heavy shooters into your team. The thing that concerns me is the trap of um, all of them playing in the same buy round and 
Um, you've got you know three out of the seven or whatever you said need to have a, a big score for um, you to do well. And it, like there are situations where a bunch of them will have the buy or um, all of them score around the eighty mark because that's that's what these high variance players do. They they can all score poorly as much as they can all score really well. So I'm still more inclined to take the consistent player. Um, if someone's scoring me 105 flat over someone averaging 105 and you know, you're pretty much picking between a score of 80 and um, whatever makes that 105. <laughs> um, yeah, I still just do like the consistent player. I'd like most of my team to be consistent because the players that do go the high variance route and maybe pick one too many of them or get hit with too many having the buy round and the other ones are not, not firing, I will make ground on them. Um, if I've got consistent players in my team. So I definitely pick and choose which high-variance players that you're going to be getting in. I'd at least store a couple of them inside my team somewhere. Um, and, you know, it's great when choosing between a couple of players. If you have a look at your team and find that they are very consistent, getting a high-variance player could be the difference. But um, it's not something that I'd, you know, put too much thought into seeking out and finding one of them to make sure I did get one into my team. If I end up with a, a consistent 22, then I'm not going to be too upset about it. I think the problem is, yes, they all. it's a mathematical game. We're looking at the situation where, you know, let's 50% of them are going to go big and 50% of them are going small. And therefore, you know, three of your seven have gone big and that's all you need. I don't think you can, you can't play the game and say, I, I just want to have value and the safe 105 every week because you're statistically going to be worse off i mean out of curiosity yeah. where, where'd you get the 50 percent ratio from no Is that... as in players you just it's not it's not exactly 50 percent, but you would expect it could to be p- less yeah it could be it depends on the variance of the player though so it depends on which players we're talking about and which ones you choose i mean if somebody has a variance of like 200 and then the rest of the season they average sorry the high of 200 and the rest of the season they average 60 you know they're not they're not the types of players that that i'm suggesting it would be the people that you know, that they, as you said, compared to 105, 105, 105, 105, I'm looking at somebody that might be going like 100 every week and then has a spike of like 160. And if I get a bunch of those players in, you know, it just takes in that one week, my, I guess my floor is I'm going to get seven players that score 90 for a week. But the most likely scenario is half of them go large um, and half of them go 90. And then I'm going to make up ground uh, across those buy rounds where you have a whole bunch of people just getting 105 flat. So um, you kind of just need to play. You ca- you kind of need to play I do, around I do with agree it. with that. I don't know how many of those players actually exist out there. Yeah, that's a problem too. 100 or 160 top players. I feel like um, if you can guarantee Canelio is never going to play forward for the rest of the season, he's the type of player that you're kind of describing there. Yes, um, a great example. can score 100 every week or 200 you know, once a, every two months. So... Um, I understand that completely. Choosing him over someone like Andrew Gaff, um, absolutely, I can subscribe to that. I was thinking more along the lines of you know eighty or one forty, um, which is Toby yeah, Green, as you said. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, pretty much. Um, is just a little bit more risky and, and probably not quite as worth it. Um, the Cornelio type, though, um, if you are choosing between him and another player at a discounted price, um, if you're confident that he plays midfield, then um, absolutely I can justify trading him in over someone like Andrew Gaff. Um, I think that's probably a good example. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll go through captains and we'll just uh, finish off the pot, just running a little bit long. Um, yeah, can I start? Can I start? Yeah. 
Yeah, you can take it away. The easy one. I like Gorn as an option this week. <laughs> Gorn plays early in the round. He plays in the second match. So I think our discussion is going to have to be, is there merit in taking somebody in the first game, um, so let's say a McRae, as your VC, and, and then putting the C on Gorn? Um, or is the best play just ignoring everyone in the first game and putting the VC on Gorn and a C on someone later in the week? Well, um, you did, uh, when we started the Skype chat pre-podcast, say that you were going to VC um, Jackson McRae. So um, I, I talked you out of it and sort of explained to you, um, as the superior coach, I'm sure people can understand the sarcasm here, um, that uh, Max Gorn is probably a better player to um, vice-captain in case McRae doesn't score, you know, if, if he scores 130, you'd kind of feel aggrieved to not take it. Or 140, you'd kind of feel like you'd have to take it. And then you're, you're left with the other everyone vice-captain in Gorn and him scoring 180. Or um, if you don't take it and he scores lower, then you know, you're left with a, a silly choice and, and getting greedy. And pretty much the vice-captaincy on Gorn is the play this week. And to waste it on someone like McRae, even though I, I do think he's going to play well, especially against Richmond, who... Um, thoroughly enjoy leaking points to midfield. Um, someone like Gorn into... I mean, if you've got Gorn and Lucky Neal, you've got the easiest choice in your of your actual life. Um, one into an, into the other there is quite quite simple. Um, otherwise, Grundy against what might just be um, a Rory Lobb matchup this week, I think is a good option as well. Um, Pistol, have you got any others that stand out? No, I think that's... They're the easiest choices. The scary um, thing is, if you don't have Lockie Neal, McRae is probably your second best option. Definitely, yeah. So do you risk Gorn, for example, scoring 110 and looking down the rest of your list and, and thinking, well, I guess I'm going to take 110 because I've got no confidence in anyone else? Like, It's really hard to have confidence in Grundy this week after last week. I just think the risk is too high in that if, if Gorn goes 80... And now that's your captaincy option, and everyone else has free reign because everyone else is going to be doing the VC on Gorn because we want to know, we want that Gorn two hundred. We want to hit two hundred this week, and we're going to take it. Like a, I'd be shocked if every Gorn owner doesn't put the VC on him because it's oh, he'll just, have one hundred percent VC or C selection this week. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're playing with fire too much um, by putting the C on him. It's probably going to be fine, but that downside is massive. Um, and I want that 180 score. I think it doesn't really matter what McRae gets. I think Gorn can go bigger. So um, it's, it's, it is a bit tough. I'd be looking at a couple of midfield options um, as, I guess, kind of my picks. But Grundy, he had a really bad game. He looked disinterested. I, they're going to have to talk to him, and I'm sure he's going to come back firing. Like, that was the worst game I've seen Grundy play, probably since his first season. Like, I think it was his lowest halftime score since he played a quarter full season. forward because they just basically were like, "Nut, nah, we've given up here." Um, what about uh, Jack Steele? Yeah, Jack Steele against Swans is a really good matchup as well. Um, but you know, none of these players have the same, I guess, ceiling that we've seen Grundy have in the past. Um, I just would be really surprised. He, he, they're not. They didn't say he's carrying some sort of injury. So um, I'm feeling. Like it's a it's a gone into Grundy type of week, or if you don't have Neil, otherwise it's gone into Neil type week. And if you don't have Grundy, Smith. if you don't have Grundy, 
or Neil. I mean, surely, surely, surely no one has that, right? Like the straight Captain Gordon. Yeah, then 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 do Gordon. Um, yeah, <laughs> then then just do Gordon. Who cares after that? I mean, Gordon realistically, with the form that is in, and I don't mean to jinx it, he's seven hundred and ninety k. How can stop, he? Stop. How can he not he, break eight hundred now that he's at this point? Oh, pistol, stop right there, please. I'm not even going to entertain those thoughts and, and, and think to try and jinx him. Um, I'm confident he will do well, and that's all I'll say on the matter. Um, that pretty much sums up our captaincy. Uh, can we call it the captaincy corner? Is no, that a thing? No, it's just Captain Gorn, like every week. It's, we should just call it okay. the Captain Gorn corner. The, cap- the Captain Gorn segment. Yeah. Okay. Um, Again, I do apologise if you heard some barking in the background. I think the, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm getting about a hundred text messages from the fiance saying that she is incapable of calming him down. Uh, so the dog now owns the house. Um, he'll probably be on the podcast exclusively next week. Um, besides that, there won't be another podcast this week due to the 24-hour teams released uh, into games. So, so there's not a lot to talk about in terms of ins and outs. Um, I don't mean that in a there's nothing to talk about because there's no carnage type of way. So I don't want to attempt to the Supercoach Gods as we did a month ago. Um, but there's just literally not enough turnaround for us to get a podcast out and it be relevant still by the time the game starts. So having said that, Pistol, um, we will talk to everyone next week. Uh, would you like to go through the socials? You can find the main page on Twitter at Dr. Underscore SC, spelt out Dr. You can find myself at Pistol Underscore D-I-S-C, JB at JB Underscore D-I-S-C, and Chizo with a Z, he does still exist, um, Chizo Underscore D-R-S-C. Once again, depending on when this comes out, last chance to sign up for the Dr. Supercoach Cup, a knockout competition. Um, you know, winner takes all. And there's actually four four places of prizes of a massive cup and and jersey. I think um, it's just the require the requirement is just to sign up to our Slack. Um, sorry, our Patreon. Just a bare minimum member will get you into the cup as long as you fill out in the sign up sheet once you're on Patreon. And uh, really looking forward to this week and um, the three trades is is at least going to make me feel like I can try and fix the holes in my team a lot faster. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Cheers.